0: Hi everyone, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo, I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out my website for over 4,000 written reviews anytime at Quipster.net. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R dot net. Today I'm going to be looking at the second of the films in which there's the representation of the last of a certain kind, a certain species, a certain kind of animal, etc., This one is called The Last Unicorn. It's an animated fantasy adventure. It's rated G. It's suitable for all audiences. There is some mild violence in there. That's kind of like a 1982 version of a G-rated film. The runtime is an hour and 32 minutes. Because it's an animated feature, that means that you're going to have a cast here of known stars, but they're just the voices. Mia Farrow, primarily. Alan Arkin, Jeff Bridges. Tammy Grimes, Angela Lansbury, Christopher Lee, Keenan Wynn, and Paul Frees do voice in the film. Robert Klein and Renee Aberchenois also get small vocal roles in this film, but very significant ones. Directors are Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr., and the screenplay is credited to Peter S. Beagle, and it's based on his novel of the same name. Now, as far as what the story is about, it's about a magical unicorn who survives... It's fate that was imposed by the Wicked King Haggard, who's voiced by Christopher Lee, in his attempt to exterminate the realm of these magical creatures. This unicorn thinks that her kin could not possibly all be dead, because in this story they're immortal. So the unicorn, along with help from an apprentice magician named Schmendrick, voiced by Alan Arkin, sets off from her forest home in order to find her lost kin So, as I mentioned, this is a film that's directed by Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr. If those names sound familiar to you, it's because they gained notoriety in the animation world because of their stop-motion animation work from television on such holiday classics as 1964's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in 1969's Frosty the Snowman. Sometime later, they also would become known in the 1980s for their animated television show called Thundercats. Yes, Thundercats being a very popular show in our household because my brother loved it. Now, Peter S. Beagle adapts his own novel for this film. The novel was originally published in 1968. Now, Beagle had done prior screenplay work before this film. He co-adapted J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings for Ralph Bakshi back in 1978. That was an unrelated follow-up to Rankin and Bass's The Hobbit that was released the previous year. Rankin and Bass directed and produced The Hobbit and then later after seeing Beagle's work and also appreciating Beagle's book they decided to work with him for The Last Unicorn. Now Beagle here is bringing a strong sense of characterization to the various roles and that allows us to see that there are some flaws within good people and actually some complexity some good components among the ones who are not as kind in the films so it is very fair in that regard Now, as a movie, The Last Unicorn is not really concerned with action sequences so much as exploring the emotional underpinnings of the overall adventure. There are melancholy remembrances. You have to find the goodness underneath the acts of cruelty that could crush many with dismay without perseverance. There are a few animated features that would delve headfirst into such things as anxiety or sorrowfulness or regret. Even the showdowns with the dreaded and fierce Red Bull, this mammoth supernatural emanation that's responsible for the demise of the other unicorns we learn, they were forced into the sea beyond King Haggard's castle at his request, those are there more for conflict than to dazzle us with feats of daring do. This is a story that explores loss as well as the resulting loneliness about forgetting oneself when you're away from your roots about the difference between fact and illusion, and this is all very sophisticated for a vehicle that primarily finds children as its main audience. Now for children, this story will give a taste of how different the world may be when venturing out from one's own safe place, their comfort zone and how children might lose their connection with those things that we hold dear if we're separated too long, and how those children, once they expand beyond that comfort zone, might lose connection with those things that they hold dear if separated for too long. This is a common theme in children's films. In other words, it's about having an experience with maturing and also beginning to forget the safety of one's own safe and secure childhood and the new possibilities, both strange and scary, that result. Every child dreams... Of being a grown up in theory, but The Last Unicorn suggests that it's not always the road to happiness. And giving up the shelter and security that one feels is impervious to harm is indeed something that can be frightening to ponder from the vantage point of early youth. For adults watching this film, we have vague memories of a life that we once had as children, something the unicorn experiences. During a transformation in one sequence into a human woman, we see through her that we begin to lose touch with that former life of ease and comfort. We seek to capture our youth, embodied in King Haggard's quest to capture the unicorns, or we become preoccupied by masking, becoming old and decrepit with illusion and deception, or in leaving a legacy behind so as not to be ultimately forgotten. Now the voice work in The Last Unicorn includes some well-known stars that I've mentioned in prominent roles, though I do think that Mia Farrow is the least intrusive playing the unicorn as well as Lady Amalthea in her human form. She really matches the majestic elegance and the innocent grace of her role very perfectly. Alan Arkin gives the Schmendrick character a bumbling but well-meaning likability that benefits the story as well. And it's really hard to believe that Jeff Bridges, who voices Haggard's lovelorn son, Prince Lear, was once less cartoony with his voice than he would eventually become when he started doing character work in his live action vehicles in his later years. His voice for cartoons sounds more human than his human characters in live action films. I will say the one vocal appearance that's the most out of place is in casting comedian Robert Klein as the Butterfly. I love Robert Klein. I find him very, very, very funny as a stand-up and in films, but his role here is fairly superfluous. He's really there only to impart the news to the unicorn that there's only one unicorn left, but the Butterfly, through his character, begins to sing songs that are anachronistic to the time and the era. They're more about Robert Klein, to be honest with you. And then one would imagine for such an olden tale that is taking place sometime in the mythical past. Now, the often beautiful animation in this film, it stands out for an English language release. This is an American film that's produced largely in Great Britain, but with a very strong Japanese influence in its visual style. And it also draws inspiration from those unicorn tapestries of Middle Ages in Europe. The backgrounds and much of the overall art design had been through a collaboration with a company called Topcraft, that's a studio in Japan that contained many of the talent that would eventually go on to form Studio Ghibli a few years later. So all of this was required in order to complete this on a very modest budget. And speaking of America, the folk rock supergroup of that name sings several songs crafted by legendary songwriter Jimmy Webb. Jimmy Webb had been a friend brought on by Jeff Bridges in order to provide some of the music in the film for the soundtrack as well as the score. And there are a couple of songs by Webb that are sung by Pharoah and Bridges in addition to those songs that are done by America. These songs are very sweet. They really add a bittersweet mood to this story. Although I would say the soundtrack does not really stand out among the most memorable work. If you're a fan of America, although I do think that a lot of their fans will appreciate the effort. And while the songs are nice, they're really competing for time with a very obtrusive score, again composed by Jimmy Webb. Sometimes it's incongruous to the tone of the scene that's at hand. Sometimes that score coats those scenes with sound at moments when I think a quieter beat would suffice. So the score is nice, but it's just a little too intrusive. And while The Last Unicorn may have only been a modest hit at the box office in 1982, given that it was produced on a smaller budget, about 4 to $5 million reportedly, it probably would have garnered higher attention if it hadn't been one of the many casualties in trying to earn family film dollars at the time when E.T., the extraterrestrial, was still top of the charts. Not to mention a re-release of The Empire Strikes Back had been slotted for release during The Last Unicorn's opening week, so it really had a tough time competing, with those two major properties it's also a bit odd in its story and its tone that's because it's much more different than mainstream fare that had been produced by disney and other american studios at the time some children might even find some of the events and characters within the film as genuinely unsettling maybe even a little bit scary in effect Nevertheless, The Last Unicorn has garnered a very loyal following among those who enjoy animation and fantasy films, especially of the 1980s. And I should add, if you watch this growing up, you probably consider it among a favorite film from a nostalgia standpoint. It is that kind of film that really taps into a certain feeling you might have had at the time that is very unique to being a child. This is a very gentle and very wistful tale, and I do think it stands up for children to get in touch with inner emotions that other projects really lack the sufficient writing or studio bravery to engage. The Last Unicorn is definitely worth seeking out. It's a magical experience unto itself. I'm going to give it three and a half stars out of four. Three and a half stars on my scale means that I do think The Last Unicorn is a good film and definitely worth seeking out if you're looking for something for you or your family to be entertained by. From an animated fantasy standpoint, it's hard to go wrong with this. I watched this with my daughter Lily, and she will give her comments in just a moment, which I know many of you are anticipating, so stay tuned for that. As far as what I'm going to be looking at next week, it's going to be continuing on. Speaking of Last Unicorns, it's another film from the 1980s that has a final unicorn in it, or two. It is called Legend. It's that Ridley Scott film from the mid-'80s starring Tom Cruise. Yes, I have not seen that film since at least 1986 or 7 when I watched it on cable. So I am really looking forward to getting into that film because I vaguely remember any of it. And I know that it has actually garnered quite a following over the years despite the fact that critics really did not like it at the time. So I'm intrigued. And you'll get my take on it next week so thank you everyone for listening i hope that you enjoyed this review click that subscribe button if you haven't done so already and you'll continue to get all of my entries into the 1980s films as we journey around the world into these films and also i want to remind you of my podcast in which i cover new films the quipster film review podcast so until next time thanks everyone for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies Hi, I'm here with my daughter Lily, and Lily and I watched The Last Unicorn together. Did you enjoy the film, Lily? Yeah. Yeah, what did you like the most about The Last Unicorn?
1: I liked the most about The Last Unicorn, and that she was all white.
0: Have you seen any unicorns of different colors?
1: Not in real life, but yes, on shows.
0: On shows? Like, what shows do you like? that? My unicorn-
1: Little Pony. Yeah,
0: there's unicorns on there that you like?
1: Uh-huh.
0: And what color are they?
1: There's purple... There's white, there's red.
0: Do you remember what the unicorn's name is? Um, no. <laughs> I don't know if they ha- uh, she had one, but she was Amalthea in her human form. Did you like her when she was in human form? No. No? Why not?
1: She had too long of hair. Her
0: hair was too long. If she had short hair, you'd like her more? Um, yeah. Were you scared at any parts in this film?
1: When the unicorns were coming out of the sea... I thought there was going to be a big boy that slashed all the way to the castle while she was standing.
0: Would you like to surf in an ocean wave that has unicorns in it?
1: No. Why not? It would hurt the unicorns.
0: Oh, it will probably trip you on your surfboard. <laughs> yeah. Did you like Schmendrick? No. Why not?
1: He had a weird voice. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> so Al- Alan Arkin's voice is not appealing to you? No. So if he had a, a different voice, you would like him more? What about the prince? Did you like the prince? No. No? And the king? Did you like the king? No. Is Are there any humans in this film that you like, Lily? You just like the unicorn? Is that the only character uh-huh. you like? So what was the best part about The Last Unicorn?
1: I like when she talks to the butterfly and the butterfly gives her a riddle.
0: So if the movie was just the butterfly and the unicorn, that would be even better? Yeah. What was your least favorite part of the movie?
1: When there's a scene where they're thinking of each other, it's yucky.
0: <laughs> when they're thinking of each other? You mean the romantic part between the prince and Almathea? Uh-huh. Too much romance in this uh-huh. film. There wasn't any kissing in this movie, was there?
1: No. Oh, okay.
0: Well, you were spared from that at least. If you could spend time with any character in, in the movie, what would you want to do?
1: The unicorn. Yeah.
0: What would you do with the unicorn?
1: I would ride it. Where would you go? To the ocean. To the ocean? To find more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So did you like The Last Unicorn altogether? Yeah. Yeah, what would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, a hundred. A hundred? Well, this is like the third hundred you've given on a scale of 1 to 10. I don't even know what to make of it. I think anything less than a hundred now is a terrible movie. What if you see a movie that becomes your favorite movie? What are you going to give it then? A thousand. Anything else you want to say about Last Unicorn? No,
1: thank you. All
0: right. Say goodbye to everybody, Lily.
1: Bye-bye.